everybody, Jimmy Smith on today's Unlocking the Cage podcast after weeks of Nate Diaz and the UFC going back and forth in the media over the last fight on Nate's contract. I react to today's breaking news that Kamzat Shemaev will face Nate Diaz. They have verbally agreed to a fight as the main event of UFC 279. I break down the pros and cons for each fighter. We were discussing the sunset clause, possible sunset clause, for sometime before the year, fall, October, November, for Nate Diaz. We were also discussing his comments about wanting to be freed from the UFC because he was being held hostage. We were discussing Dana White and his comments about not being able to hold Nate hostage. And what happens? Ta-da! It looks like Nate Diaz versus Kamzat Shemaev has been verbally agreed to for September. Caveat being verbally agreed to. Um, this is all hitting us at the same time. So we want your opinions. 877-FIGHT-93, 877-344-4893. If you'd like to jump in on this discussion. I have said, since this was first speculated about, when people were first going, oh, this might be a good thing. You know, it's a comms watch in my head, Nate Diaz. It's the worst possible matchup for Nate Diaz. Period. End of sentence. I can't think of anyone, even if you get into like some small 185ers, who match up, um, who are a worse matchup for Nate Diaz than Kamsach Mine. Nobody. Even, Jesus, I'll go out there and go, Israel Adesanya is at least a striker. At least he'll stand up with Nate for a minute. Kamsach Shemaev is a big-ass 170-pounder slash middleweight. He is takedown-centric. Um, great ground and pound. He does everything Nate can't stand. And on the feet, he can light your ass up, and he's a very hard hitter, which Nate is not. I, I, I don't know. Since Khabib, maybe Islam Makachev, those are the only guys I can think of who, have, who are worse stylistically. And those guys aren't as big as Kamzat Shemaev. This is a terrible fight for Nate Diaz. This is the, okay, if you want to leave, this is the door that will hit your ass on the way out. So before we go on to, you know, good, bad, ugly, and, and you know, would he take it? Not, you, you have to acknowledge, and let's see if we're on the same page here, about what a terrible fight this is for Nate Diaz. Kelly Kell, do you feel me? Can you think of a worse fight for Nate Diaz, stylistically? Oh, no. Absolutely. Every single aspect of this fight is terrible for Nate Diaz. But that's what the conversation always was. It was the UFC would love to put on this fight because... Nate Diaz should, on paper, get absolutely demolished. Demolished. It's the last fight on his contract. You don't want him to go out on a win. Nate, regardless, if he fights out his contract and leaves, he's always going to have name value. He's a Diaz brother. But at the very least, if you get him in there with Chemayev, who should destroy him, he leaves on a terrible loss. And that's really all the UFC can do at that point. And, you know, obviously it helps build somewhat for some people, for some reason, Kamzat Chemayev, even though... Guy's not even in your weight class. I don't know exactly what the accomplishment is here. But, you know, sure. It, it, it's one more win for, um, you know, Kamzat Shemaya. They're trying to build him up. He's this world beater. You know, sure. Why not smash Nate Diaz, which I think he does. So it's clear this is a terrible, terrible fight stylistically for Nate. Yeah, he may want out and all this stuff. But does this to you, KOB, I want your opinion about this. 
confirm that there was a sunset clause or does it counter the argument that there was a sunset clause? I find the timing of this very, very convenient. Like For whom? First, you have you know Dana doing the whole song and dance with the media at the post-fight presser. Then the news of the sunset clause gets reported about on Monday. And all of a sudden, on Tuesday, midday, verbally agreed to is Hamza Chamaya versus Nate Diaz. I, I, I feel like this fight just came together. <laughs> like, Or they're just putting something out there, doing what they do sometimes where it's, oh, well, yeah, we have this uh, – with announcing a fight before both parties have really signed. So – Mm. I feel like it's almost this this is happening almost in response I feel (sighs) to the last two weeks right but okay so let's it's so weird it's so bizarre all right let's just let's make two assumptions let's do one assumption first the assumption that there is actually a sunset clause let's make that assumption that that Marco Mundi is accurate with his reporting and there is a sunset clause and that it runs out sometime before the end of the year. If that is the case, the UFC would try to push to get a fight because he can just wait them out. So it pushes him to, 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 to offer a fight, but it doesn't push them to offer a fight that they don't believe he'll accept. Because all he has to do is turn it down and he can wait them out. So the idea that it's Kamzat Shemaev makes me think there wasn't a sunset clause because you don't offer somebody who can just wait you out. You don't offer them a fight that is virtually unwinnable, that has no appeal to them. Because they'll just say no when you're right back where you were. If they're... So so there's that. Um, so I believe it kind of counters the idea that there's a sunset clause because Nate, if, if Nate suddenly got the opponent he wanted, let's say Vicente Luque, um, he mentioned some other fighters, let's say Dustin Poirier, whatever. Michael Chandler, I don't know. If he suddenly got the fighter he wanted... I'd go, okay, the UFC is realizing they're running out of time. And um, they, 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 they needed to get this done quickly. They kind of caved a little bit. But they didn't. It was Kamzat Shemaev, which makes me think they don't believe Nate has much of a choice. Um, KOB, you got some new info? Uh, let me know. What is it? Read it out. Uh, this is uh, per Brett Akamoto's Twitter. Hamzat Shemaev provided this com uh, provided this comment about the fight to ESPN, translated from Swedish by his representative Majdi Shamas. Uh, "Quote unquote: I am going to handle Nate Diaz's funeral with the UFC." I believe Hamzat Shemaev would be one hundred percent behind this fight. He if I'm his manager, what's up? Like this this is the moment he should come out as the Undertaker. Oh yeah, no, this is the Undertaker moment. They should have a coffin next to the the octagon, like a coffin match, like an old WWE coffin match. That's what they should have. That's what they should have. Let's be one hundred percent honest. Um, if I'm Kamzat Shemaev, I'm paying my manager extra for this one. This is so incredibly winnable. This does it, it, it's 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 one sided in that you have a. Uh, a fight that, that's that's extremely winnable against a big name, and it just it's 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 perfect for Kamzat. We are going to see, and and right now Kelly Kell has her eyes glued to social media right now, like she always does. She's very up on these things. Um, but I think Nate is going to soon tweet that this is BS and da da da. Like I wouldn't surprise if we got it w- within the hour. Definitely today, we're going to get a this is BS. So follow my logic here. Um, when I say that if there wasn't a sunset clause, I'm sorry, if there was a sunset clause, the UFC 
um, wouldn't be able to kind of force Kamsat Shumayev down Diaz's throat. Wouldn't be able to do that because he can just wait them out. If he had gotten the fight he wanted, I'd say there's a sunset clause. Since he got the fight he didn't want, I'd say there is no sunset clause because if I'm Nate's people, I don't want to take this fight. This fight's in what, September? And according to Ariel Hawani, the, 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 his contract one, runs out the next month, a month later? Stupid. Why go out on a loss? It's not worth it. Um, now, it's possible. All right, so, so let's say there, there is no sunset clause. It's what it looks like to me. The other side, what if there is a sunset clause? If there is, the UFC could just be throwing this out there, as you said, KB, just kind of announcing it when it's not even set in clay, let alone stone, um, just to say, see, Nate turned it down. So Nate takes a sunset clause. He just waits until October, November. The, 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 the contract itself runs out. And then the, they can say, well, he ran away, which is what, by the way, you know, of course, when it comes cyborg and all this other stuff, oh, left because they were scared. They're le- they left because they ran away. They left because they're shot. Da, da, da. It gives the UFC kind of that parting shot. To where if there is a sunset clause and he waits him out, he can go, well, we gave him the, um, you know, we gave him the uh, uh, the option to fight. He didn't want it. He's a coward. That's why he's over in whatever it is. Um, you know, PFL, belt, or wherever he goes, the UFC can say he went there because he was afraid of Kamsa Chimaya. What do you think of that theory, KOB, that there is a sunset clause and they're just saying this? With no real expectation the fight's actually going to happen. What do you think about that? On brand. <laughs> on Very brand. On brand. We all believe we, it. Like I said, we've seen it a thousand times where they just announce a fight before everyone's verbal. Everyone's really, truly agreed. Like, so, I don't know. I don't even know what, they're, what the, necessarily what their sense of verbally agreed upon means. Was it because Nate said, oh, yeah, I said I would do the Hamza Chimaya fight, like, in the, in the interview right. with Ariel? Like, is that what verbally agreed means? Like, I was just using that as, as, as our go-off? Because I got to say, I'm with you. If Nate truly does have this sunset, cl- sunset clause, why not just wait it out and not even take on the guy? Just walk away still with your value in- intact. Yeah. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. So the thing we're waiting on, and, and Kelly has the notifications turned on, she does, um, is the thing we're waiting on is, of course, the response from Nate Diaz. I think you'll be a big, gigantic FU. A big, gigantic FU is what we're going to get, I believe, from Nate Diaz. I think he'll say this is all crap, da-da-da-da-da, and it's absolutely meaningless. That's what I think he'll say. Now, how everything works out, I don't know. But I think that is definitely what he'll say. Per Brett Akimoto, Nate Diaz's representative, Zach Rosenfield, confirms the date and opponent of Diaz's next appearance to ESPN. He adds, quote, this is a fight Nate has been asking for since the middle of April. Folks, if everything lines up but Nate Diaz, we're going to hear things from Nate Diaz. If everybody's on board but Nate, the contrarian in Nate is going to have a negative tweet, I think, before the end of the day. I'd love to be surprised. 
We'll see. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. There's nothing like an ADS fight to have us asking, is this tweet a fan or is this sarcasm, right? It's a fun game, isn't it, KLB? Isn't it a fun game? Yes, it is. So read me the tweet and we'll decide Nate fan or sarcasm. Go ahead. All right, it says, after Chemayev, and we're all tagged on this, uh, after Chemayev, whose stand-up looked marginal against Burns, stylistically better matchup for Nate. DS boxing and jits is better and willing to die in the ring. Chemayev looked like he was giving up. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> okay. So this person, whoever this is, and we're, we're tagged in this, but um, this person really believes that Nate Diaz can catch Kamzat Chemayev from his back. That's what you're saying. When you say that someone's jujitsu is better, sure, his all-around jujitsu game is better. He's not getting on top of uh, Kamzat Chimaev. That's not going to happen. Kamzat's bigger. He's stronger. He's a better wrestler. The biggest weakness to um, the biggest weakness for um, Diaz, both Diaz brothers, has always been their lack of wrestling. They just aren't great wrestlers. So they tend to get taken down a lot. So they're always having to work from their backs. Now, against lower and mid-level competition, they're able to get it done. They can do it. They can triangle you from their back. They can do it. Um, against great fighters who have wrestling in their arsenal, they've always folded. I don't mean folded as in they've given up, but it's been a wipeout anytime they've taken on a better wrestler. Particularly... Bigger, stronger wrestlers. And this is exactly what Nate's dealing with. Exactly. Every time he's taken on a bigger, stronger wrestler in his prime, he's lost. Every time. Now he's, oh, Gray Maynard. Gray Maynard was past it by that point. That's the only time you could really say Nate has been able to, to pull this off. This is a young, strong, um, vicious ground and pound uh, fighter when it comes to Kamzat Shemayev, that's what he's taken on. When he's taken on guys like that, how has he done in the past? That's how you have to look at it. His wins, Anthony Pettis, striker. Conor McGregor, striker. Michael Johnson, striker. Gray Maynard, already referenced that. Gray Maynard was in his prime a good wrestler, which is how he beat him the first time. But he was past it by this point. He'd taken some beatings. Jim Miller, um, jiu-jitsu guy, comparatively well-rounded. Donald Cerrone, striker. Takanori Gomi, striker. Marcus Davis, striker. Rory Markham, striker. Melvin Gillard, striker. Josh Neer, Kurt Pellegrino. Guys with decent jiu-jitsu, but not the kind of dedicated wrestlers that take him down ad nauseum. Rafael Dos Anjos, Benson Henderson, right? Rory McDonald at 170. Took him down over and over and over again, no problem. That's the issue here. So I, number one, didn't see Kamzat Shemaev giving up um, against Gilbert Burns. He won that fight. Finished strong in that fight. Um, I don't believe that 
Nate Diaz has the power to really hurt Kamzat Shemaev. He doesn't. This guy is decent-sized at middleweight, let alone um, at 170 where they're going to meet, where Nate just really isn't going to have the, the size, I don't think, to do very much. His jiu-jitsu, I think, is going to be a non-factor because he's going to be on his butt. Unless, you know, Kamzat Shemaev really screws up and gives up a triangle or something, which I doubt, um, jiu-jitsu is going to be a non-issue. He's not going to be able to take him down. KLB, is that fair or not? I don't see how he takes him down. I, I don't know I what Nate's... Don't. Uh, it, uh, he really must just want to get out of this contract because I cannot make odds or ends of taking out. this fight. He's, he's... Like, do you remember how he got ragdolled against Roy McDonald? Like, Cru- yeah, suplex this city, is gonna, Boom, This boom, is going to probably be worse. This, is, this has to be worse. I, I, I don't see it going any better than that went. Yeah. And, and I think that's what it looks like. That's probably what it looks like, and it seems like people are <laughs> split. The Nate Diaz fans, man, they really want to believe that, like, he'll figure it out. He'll find a way. He's the toughest guy ever. Everybody, including the pros, are like, why? Why, Nate? Like, this is a – you should have just either fought harder or if there is a sunset clause, let it get to it because this was a – this is a bad move, I think. A very bad yeah, move. Yeah, I, I – you know, it's one of those things, so uh, – that I really believe that – this this fight and the fact that Nate's taking it, that there was no sunset clause. That's what I believe. I do believe that there couldn't have been a sunset clause because, like you said, Nate would have just waited this out. Because you look at the X and O's, right? The whys and the why nots, all right? The pros for Nate Diaz taking this fight is it just gets him out of his contract. That's it. I just said the pro. It gets him out of the contract. If there's a sunset clause, you just wait, and that'll get you out of the contract. Okay? So the pro is it gets him out of his contract. The other pro is he's fighting a big-ass welterweight who's destroying everybody, so a loss doesn't kill him. I think that's fair, too. A loss just doesn't kill him. That him getting wiped out by um, Kamzat Shemaev is, you know, neither here nor there. Like, it's... He doesn't want to lose, but it, it won't destroy his career. So those are the only two pros, is that it gets him out of his contract and a loss doesn't kill it. Um, everything else is a con for Nate. Kamzat is bigger. Kamzat is a better wrestler. Kamzat is stronger. Uh, Kamzat is incredibly difficult to catch. Right? And he hasn't shown any difficulty with his gas so far. Nothing. Hasn't been in the kind of five-round wars Nate, Nate has been in because he's a great finisher. Hasn't had to do it. Um, Nate fans can see whatever they want in the, in the, 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 the Burns fight for Kamzat Shemaev. He still finished strong in that fight. Yeah, it was a three-rounder. Yeah, he had his difficulties, but he finished strong, and he clearly won that fight against a top-shelf 170-pounder. Nate has never beaten a top-shelf 170-pounder ever. Nate or Nick. So they can say whatever they want, but the fact of the matter is, on paper, there's no reason for Nate, win, uh, for, for Nate Diaz to win this fight. Look at the Masvidal fight. Masvidal's not a huge 170, and he pretty much ragdolled Nate. Ragdolled him. Beat the piss out of him. So it's all cons for Nate. It's almost all pros for Shemaev, especially considering how bullish um, the UFC is on Shemaev. So you could say, oh, that isn't a, a, a big win. It doesn't get him a title shot. Yeah, it does. Because they're just kind of waiting uh, to give Kamzat Shemaev a title shot anyway. 
So if he crushes Nate, which he should, it'll be him versus Kamar Usman. Everybody's happy. So that's really the, the only perhaps con of this fight is that Nate's not a great 170-pounder. He's not ranked or anything. So the UFC just might not give him very much with a win, but you can tell the UFC is very into him winning. The UFC is very into him getting a title shot. Two questions for you, Jimmy. I can't wait. I'll let you you answer each separately. Number one, when you look at this fight, is this like the ultimate example of like just how vindictive the UFC can be? That like they could have given Nate literally anyone at lightweight and it would have been fine. Like, you know, give him Michael Chandler, give him some like anybody and it would have been fine. They went, no, no, no. We're giving him Hamjad Jemai at one seventy. Do you remember? Because I work in both worlds, and I've worked for Dana White, and I currently work for Vince McMahon. Um, the uh, obviously the uh, um, dark side of the ring about the Montreal Screwjob, and they said Vince did what was best for the business. It was tough. It was difficult. It was backhanded, underhanded, whatever you want to say. Vince did what was best for the business, fair or not, Kobe. In screwing Bret Hart, even though you're a Bret Hart fan. Yes, I guess. Is this best for the business, for Dana White, to have Nate lose in dramatic fashion? I, I Assuming guess. they don't want to keep him. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how good for the business it is, but, like, I guess you could say well, – I guess there's an argument that it is good for the business, but, like, the, the net gains you get from it, I don't, I don't know if it's that great. You're minimizing the loss because Nate's going to lose probably in dramatic fashion, probably a really one-sided fight. I do believe that it looks like um, the Rory McDonald fight at a certain point. And so he leaves on a real, on the, probably the worst loss of his career other than well, Josh that, Thompson. Uh, head that that kind of actually leads me to my second question, actually. Right. Let's say by some improbable way – Nate Diaz finds a way to win. Would this be the ultimate backfire for the UFC? Ultimate worst backfire like, in UFC history. Would this be the biggest? Would you call this the biggest upset if he finds a way to win? I don't know how there, it would there be is not, versus Nunes. I'm just saying, like, there is no non-title upset. Look, biggest non-title yeah. upset. Yeah, yeah. Because we're looking at this, and we're, we're all. We're, I think we all agree there is no mathematical, strategic way we see a win for Nate Diaz. So that's why in my head, I'm like, this is. This, I feel like this would be the biggest upset. The biggest non-title upset of, of all time would be fair. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know if anyone's had the deck more stacked against them since, like, Priscilla Cachoeira against Valentina Shevchenko. This, this, this has all the potential to just be a five-round if we get there molly whopping. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think it will be, and, you know, who knows? Nate pulls out. It would be the biggest non-title upset of all time. And because what I mean by that is Juliana Pena over um, Amanda Nunez – is right now to me the biggest, but the stakes were so big because it's a title fight and everything. So I think there's always that 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 kind of loads it, right? GSP gets knocked out by Matt Sarah. Oh my god, it was amazing. And those were all title fights. So they kind of have their own gravity that a non-title fight doesn't really have. Um but I do believe that this would be a huge upset and the biggest, certainly the biggest backfire in UFC history. The biggest backfire in UFC history. Where they were set up to do something and it just crumbled. For sure. For sure. But as far as X's and O's and Y's and Y's, the only thing I can think of is there wasn't a sunset clause and Nate had virtually no choice but to take this fight. That's the only thing I can think of. Only thing I can think of. 
Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM's Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts.